Welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. We've got plenty to talk about this week, so we've got plenty of panellists on to talk about them. Joining me are David Forrest. David, hello, how are you? Hello, I'm good. Rhys Aldane's here. Rhys, how are you? Hi, I'm alright mate, not too bad. Kieran Ashton's back on this week. Kieran, how are you doing? I'm alright, um, thanks for having me back on. It's good to be back. No problem, good to have you back. Jamie McDonald's here. Jamie, how are you? Yeah, I'm alright. Yeah, it's good to be back as well. And making his full debut after impressing in the 12 Days of Archie friendlies over Christmas is James Kearney. James, how are you? Uh, pretty depressed. I've just spent my day off watching back the East Vice game and it's been pretty tough going. That is proper commitment to coming on the podcast to talk about it. So so thanks for doing that in your spare time. I wouldn't recommend that to anyone else if they didn't catch the game last night. Um, since we last recorded, we've played a couple of games. So we'll start with the Scottish Cup uh, game on Saturday, which was a 2-1 defeat at Tannadice. James, I'll come to you first. It's quite rare that any of our panellists actually get to attend the games nowadays, but you were there at Tannadice at the weekend. What were your thoughts on the performance? It's a funny one because I actually think for, you know, over the course of 90 minutes, if you're looking at performance and performance alone and not result, then there's lots to be impressed by. You know, obviously, uh, you know, we started the game very well. United clearly weren't really in the game the first half at all. Really, I can't remember Kieran Wright really making a save. And, you know, Thistle were, you know, they were really playing very well. I thought, you know, they were really stroking about constantly. Senna, you know, so I'm sure we'll speak about him more later, but you know, there was plenty of times where he was getting the ball at centre half. He was under a lot of heavy pressure from, you know, somebody like Lawrence Shankland. And even though the ball was trapped under his feet, he still managed to sort of, you know, use his body shape to sort of get himself between the man and the ball and get it away despite the pressure that he was facing. So I actually think that for a lot of the game, and I mean, me and the other you know, guys in the press box were talking about it, we were saying the guy, you know, Senna, he played brilliantly for, you know, 75 minutes on Saturday. And then obviously you know he makes the error. The first one, I don't really think there's much excuse in it. You know, it's just it's just bad football. You know, he, he, he should punt it. Obviously, he should. He knows that. Everyone in the park knows that. I think it's a case of you know I think he's lost his balance a wee bit. It looked like to me uh, as he sort of spun the ball, but he shouldn't be spinning anyway. He should just be packing it away, of course. And um, so yeah, that's disappointing from that perspective. And then obviously there's a sucker punch at the end, which. Uh, I'm sure everyone who's listening will have seen it back. I mean, it shouldn't. The goal shouldn't have stood. Nicky Clark just shoved Senna into right. It's, I don't think Wright or Senna covered themselves in glory. Having said that, I mean, it's clearly it's an awkward ball to deal with. But I think the fact that neither of them do, even though there is a foul in the, in the eventual build-up, that's still not exactly brilliant. But I mean, overall, it just felt very thistle this, this season, didn't it? You know, the way that we were up, we were flying. We could have possibly been two, maybe even three now up at the break. And then the wheels come flying off towards the end. And it's just, it's the same story we've been seeing all year where we just, we can't see games out and it comes back to haunt us. You know, and I think that that's the, where the real frustration lay, not the fact that we got beaten by Dundee United in the Cup, because I think, you know, we all expected that to happen. But when we were going there, I don't think anyone expected anything from this game. You know, but I think it's, it's more the manner of the performance where, we got a lot right, and for a lot of it, it did go well. But then it's just two little moments have cost us dearly. I think that it's something that you know we've seen time and time and time again, not just this season, but really ever since the top six season. There seems to be this problem. There seems to be endemic, you know. I think you're absolutely right. It was more the way it happened rather than it actually happened, because I think the expectations going into the game were pretty low. Reese, I'll come to you next. I know we were talking just at half time in the game on Saturday about how the Brian Graham miss will probably come back to haunt us. And then the end it did. What did you make of the game on Saturday? I agree pretty much on everything that James just said there. Um, like going into the game, see if we, you'd have said we'd lost 3 0, I wouldn't really have bothered, mate, because 
all focus should be on the league. But see, when you turn up at a Premiership side and you put in a performance like we did, like I think we won all our individual battles. Like we ran their midfield. I remember the the commentator for Dundee United TV was saying, oh, "It'll be interesting to see if uh, the Thistle midfield can keep up with Jean Fuchs. He had to get subbed off after 60 minutes. Like Bannigan and, and Doc were all over him. We just played really well. And as you say, they missed right on half time. As soon as he's put that wide, you're just thinking that's the one that's going to come back. You even said in chat that's going to be the talking point when we lose to one. And it, it, like you almost joke about it, but it just happens way too often. To even be funny anymore. I mean, it's just the, it's just we keep accept that it happens so much, and it's it's bad, mate. And I don't know what can be done about it, but and then even it's just injustice after injustice, isn't it? Like don't, obviously, what don't want to make excuses, but the foul on Senna, you don't know how the ref doesn't see that man. It's blatant. It's a tough one to take, as James just said, the manner we lost, but not too bothered about the cup anyway. I'll focus on the league. We'll get to that in a minute, whether or not it's, it's a good thing to be at the cup. Kieran, I'll come to you. What were your thoughts on the game Saturday? Uh, I thought the game was that we done well in the first half. I mean, I was lying in my bed. I, I was hungover uh, for the night before, so I was look, pure watching this game. Rough watch back there. I watched the highlights back, obviously watching the sports scene and that. And, you know, we, we should have really had the game um, buried in the first half with the Graham chance and even I think uh, Gordon had a chance just before the half-time whistle uh, went and then the individual uh, error that led to Dundee United's equaliser obviously obviously cost us and then he obviously should have cleared it the way he tried to do it, he tried to like, jockey the ball and tried to like block the guy that was on his back and then obviously as what's been said um, the way we lost it was obviously um, heartbreaking, you know what I mean. Um, and obviously we'll go on to like whether the uh, getting out of the cup was a was a good or a bad thing. But um, it's just a baby wash, you know what I mean? It's a, it is obviously a like, late minute equaliser, but it's the, it's a foul as well, a blatant foul, you know what I mean? Um, was just it, it, it was sickening. But um, as as I said, all focus is on the the league now, you know what I mean? Um, the cup is a bonus, it always as a bonus, but it was just kind of gotten the way we lost it. I think you've all mentioned it was a, a blatant foul. On Senna, even though maybe he and Wright could have done a bit better. But Jamie, do you think that goal could be uh, seen as a blessing in disguise? We can put all our focus on the league now. We avoided an extra half hour of football. Do you think it's a good thing we're out of the cup? Realistically, it's good to not have that distraction in the background. Some seasons you want distraction in the cup, but this season it is literally all about the league. We cannot have anything in the background. If we got to go through a normal time, I'd have said yes. But I couldn't have actually seen us scoring again. So if it had gone to extra time, I don't think we would have won. If I'm honest, I think we probably would have ended up losing 2-1 or 3-1 possibly. So I'm, I'm never happy to see us lose. I always want to see the team win and it's gotten the way it happened. But given the fact we are now out, I'm not like devastated that we don't have any more cup football. As much as the prize money would have been a good thing. Full focus needs to be on the league. But we didn't take that performance level until Tuesday. We didn't take that performance level. I know we'll talk about that, but... It's just infuriating to see such a good performance in the cup not backed up. David, I'll come to you last if you just want to give us your thoughts on Saturday, but possibly more specifically on the kit and the nice touch of going numbers 1-11 to 11 for the starting lineup. Yeah, um, I absolutely love um, the kit. Obviously, it's on sale at the moment. going to um, uh, buying it very, very soon. One thing I've noticed that has not really got much uh, traction is the goalie kit is absolutely beautiful. I love the goalie kit so much, and you, it, it, you know, I don't really noticed it when we saw right, you know, like making a save or something. But I really, really like that. I, I did love the touch of the the graphic design of having the team put out in that way and it being one to eleven. I think that's a very great touch. It's a, done with such care, and having spoke to people at the club about the kit and stuff like that, they've done an exceptional job with it. They were very meticulous in terms of what could and could not be on the shirt and stuff like that. It's the real deal. And yeah, I thought it's a fantastic kit and the way they went about it was great. Uh, but yeah, especially the goalie kit. Um, I'm surprised they're not selling the goalie kit. I know goalie kits aren't that popular, but it's a really great kit. Um, I would I would probably buy one if, there was, if it was on sale, put it that way. In terms of the, the actual performance, I mean, I will say, I, I, I was in the chat with Matt. We sat and watched it on a call um, together. And the 45 minutes from when we went 1-0 up until we equalised was what, some of the most fun 45 minutes of us just telling the Dundee United commentators to get up them as they, they cried about how the, the extreme heat was causing their players to take, you know, to not uh, perform. 
at like 15 degrees. It was, it was it, the, the Dundee United commentators are very much panicking for a while, and I thought we played really, really well. And obviously, like individual errors are going to be a thing, and they have been happening quite a lot to us, which is a cause of concern. But I think we can definitely hold our heads up high from that performance. So one thing I will say about the cup is it has it has been a bit it has buoyed us in terms of the game against County Beef and things like that, where we got a good result, we played really well. I would probably say that and the Dundee United game on Saturday are probably our two best performances. I know the Airdrie game as well, but we were really poor in the first half hour against Airdrie. I think those two cup games have done really a lot to boost our confidence and I think having this sort of league run where you're just kind of dropping points and stuff like that is not going to do anything for um, our confidence. I, I, I'm loath to say that it's a good thing that we're out of a cup because I want to see us win the, the, the treble, obviously. But, you know, we need to concentrate on the league. But I think that even though the cup added a few extra games, they were our best games of the restart so far. You said it did a bit for our confidence, David. We'd, I agree that we did play well in both of the games, but we never really backed up. So I think whether or not it did do anything for the confidence is probably quite debatable. I do totally agree about the goalie kit, though, just backtracking a wee bit. If that goalie kit uh, got put up for sale, I'd definitely be buying one. I think most of you touched on Senna there. Uh, Kieran, I'm going to come to you on this one first. Obviously, hindsight's a wonderful thing. I think we'll all agree he didn't play particularly well last night against his five. But if you were Ian McCall, would you have stuck with him for the draw last night? Because he has been struggling a wee bit in recent games. Do you think McCall was right to stick with him last night? I don't necessarily um, think he should have. Like Senna, like, I've, I've, liked, I've liked Senna. Um, this is before the break I'm talking about. I've liked Senna. Um, he's probably been like, one, of, one of our standout players. Um, and then the, after the break, it's just, I, I don't know what's happened. I don't know if it's like lack of game time or all that, whatever. I don't know. But he's devoid. He's devoid of uh, confidence. Uh, last night, I, I don't think I would have. I probably would have played McKenna or something like that. Um, I, I think we will, we'll obviously uh, go in a bit deeper with the, the whole back four uh, conversation. But I don't think he really should have. Um, he's a young boy and he will learn from the mistakes he's made and all that. And he will, he will grow. He will continue to grow. But I, I think he does kind of deserve to like have a, have a break on the bench. I do agree with you, Kieran. I said that on Saturday, and it's not anything against Senna. I think Senna's going to be a great player for us, and I think eventually we will probably make a fair bit of money off him because he's contracted to 2023, and I think he will draw in interest from bigger clubs. But I think just, as you said there, for his, for his own confidence, I think he needed just two or three games out of the side, and you, you saw it last night. He was panicking every time the ball came to his feet, and obviously hindsight is a wonderful thing, but I think maybe now McCall, you saw him he get taken off at half-time last night. He might now sub him out. He was talk, talking pretty highly about uh, Stephen Bell in his post-match interview, Ian McCall. So you wonder if that's reviewed to just giving Bell a couple of games and leaving Sen out. Jamie, I know before we came on here, you were talking about some of the other decisions Ian McCall's made with the, the starting eleven in general, that every game seems to... Put more questions in your head about the decisions Ian McCall's making. What were your thoughts on the starting eleven last night? Uh, I didn't agree with some of it. I don't know why Penrice was on the bench, to be honest. I mean, he's one of our best players. I know some fans don't rate him, but I think he's one of our best players. And He's on the bench again, and we end up usually just chucking him on at left mid. I think I said in the chat something about watching him come on in 60 minutes and playing at left mid. I think he did end up playing like kind of a wing-back role. Um, we kind of switched to... It's a different system towards the end of the game but he did come on around the hour mark and it's just what's the point in him making these cameo appearances towards the end he did played better than what we started when he came on so I just I don't know I just think um, he really should have been starting and also I don't understand why Williamson was starting again originally I wanted Williamson in the team but he's just not been performing recently I, I think his first touch is it's not very good I think he's quite a bad first touch and there's so many strange things in the lineup. Like it's already been mentioned, Senna really shouldn't have been starting. I do, I do really like Senna. I think he's got a great attitude, but for his own good and the team's good, he really should have been dropped. He's been making mistake after mistake. He cost us two goals last night. Gave away the penalty. He had that sliced clearance up into the air, which cost us the second goal. And the team, the team just wasn't right for me, in my opinion. And I'd rather we played two up top as well. So I hope to see Graham and McIver up top uh, for Peterhead on Saturday because I don't think Rodden should be starting after last night. Reese, what were your thoughts on the game last night? Well, just same as the last couple of weeks. 
slow start. I thought we just couldn't get it going. Obviously, fell behind due to the penalty that Senna gave away. Can't really see too much of it from the camera angle, but it does look like a handball. Fair enough. Uh, the second goal, obviously, Senna is like one of those ones that it should have been dropped after the weekend's performance. And the more mistakes he's making, you can just see his head going. It was just like, so see when he's made that mistake and he's sliced up there, uh, I'd hate to think what's going through his head at that point. If I'm McCall, being honest, I would have took him off right there and then because it was just another mistake waiting to happen. And nothing against Senna, I like Senna. He's a good player, he's, he's no the, the most technical. And it was all about his confidence building up and that's what was carrying him through things. Like, it was just growing and growing. And uh, the break obviously couldn't have came at a worse time for him. I don't know how he's going to get back into the side this season if he's if he's dropped now. So I'll probably just give him a couple of weeks off anyway and just let Bell or McKenna move in because I thought McKenna was good off the bench. And I know McCall fancies him as a right back with his with his long throw in that because that is a real asset for us. But I think maybe he could go back into centre half and as Jamie said, Williamson's been off the boil a wee bit lately, but his crossing is really good for us and it, it gets us up the park, him and Cardo on that right hand side. Which I'll come on to like <clears throat> I don't I just don't know why Cardo doesn't start. Obviously it's due to, due to squad rotation and that, but he's our most creative player by far. I feel like a broken record they might be going about Cardo on this podcast, but I said in a chat with some of the boys I go to the game with last night, I was like, I'd love to know why Cardo's still on the bench, comes on and gets two assists. Like, he's just invaluable to us as a team. Sorry, I know you were on last week, Reese, when we spoke about the rotation policy that McCall's adopting. Do you think Cardo being out, he's just putting too much focus on Cardo's fitness and that's the only reason? Uh, I think I think he's actually looking at Cardo as like, he's looking at his age rather than how fit he is because Cardo's as fit as a fiddle. And I actually think McCall's placing too much importance on squad rotation. Like, every other team, like East Fife, as we said the other day, they played, was it, four games last week, including extra time. And obviously I didn't look at East Fife's squad, but I reckon they've changed a few bodies. We're making wholesale changes every game. And it feels sometimes like it's changes for changes' sake, like McCall's overdoing it a wee bit. If, if we're just talking on like a squad, pick your best 11 basis, then Cardo should be in it every week. Fair enough if you had a wee knock or a wee niggle, but... He's got to start starting on Saturday. Uh, if I'm very brutally honest yeah. with last night, I thought we were absolutely shocking. I mean, I'm relieved we got the point, but the performance level, especially that first half, is absolutely pathetic. It's not good enough. So many games recently, we're fighting to get back into early doors, which is just so poor for a team of our level. We should be doing so much better than that. Look at the Airdrie game, the Forfer game, and East Fife. We've gone behind really early on, twice within basically the first minute. Last night, 12 minutes in. It's almost like we aren't switched on during the opening phases of a game. The goals we're conceding as well, they're all our own doing, most of them anyway. It's not like it's like not like we've been cut open by teams with great play or anything, making stupid errors at the back, giving the ball away cheaply in midfield, not being switched on for stuff like long throws or a cross. And the first half of the season we were defending well, but we couldn't score. And since we've come back from the break, it's flipped. So now we're being able to score, but we just can't defend. The only reason I think we're still in touching distance is into the fact that other teams can't put a good run together. Falkirk are the only team that have put together somewhat of a run in the first half of the season, which is why I think they'll win the title, because out of the, basically, dross that has been in, in the league so far, they've managed to be the most consistent. I mean, we've just kind of been dragged into these terrible performances, and it's so frustrating. I don't think Falkirk will win the league by much, but four or six points, maybe. But the next four games are huge. I've said on social media that there can't be any excuses against Montrose and Peterhead. There'll be difficult games, but we need to win them. And the Dumbarton and Clyde games, I mean, Dumbarton have scored six goals all season and Clyde conceded 26. So we can't be aiming for anything less than maximum points for split to try save what's left of the season. Jamie, can I just come back to you on your point about early goals? Do you think we should go back to uh, the wee Gary Caldwell thing where we did a wee warm-up on the pitch before each half? Do you think that would help? Um, not really, I'm not going to lie. Rich, <laughs> uh, what were you going to say? I um, just want to say, like, remember last week, Bruce Jenkins was uh, touched on the fact, like, it's as if we don't have any sort of tactics and we're just relying on our players to be better than the rest of the division. It just feels like that because when was the last time that we broke a team down and actually scored a nice goal? Like, you look at the two goals last night, obviously, lump balls into the box and knocked down headers, but you expect that when you're chasing a game. But from the beginning of the game, we don't look like we're ever going to put a pass through a team and score a goal. When was the last time you seen an official player one on one with a keeper? Just doesn't happen. Like, and you expect us to be like in league one, a team full of part time teams. You expect us to be playing nice football, scoring nice goals. Like, we don't even have a, any style of football about us. 
And I know that like, I said today on Twitter, like the whole division is is just mince me. And sometimes I watch your games and I think we're the worst of the lot in terms of football because East Fife last night tore us apart. I know we had chances as well, but it could, they could have been three 0 up. Like they missed a glaring opportunity at two 0 and it would have been curtains. It would have been curtains from the call. See if there was fans there last night, that would have been like an Arbroath moment, like what Caldwell had. See when the fans were there when we drew one to Arbroath, and you just knew like that was in for Caldwell. Last night when we were 2 0 down, if there was fans there, it would have felt like it was near the end for McCall. But luckily, Tiffany's goal saved his betting for another day. I was going to ask, Rhys, do you think maybe the fans not being there helped the team in the end? Do you think if there were, were fans there, the team would have just folded and not come back? Uh, it's hard to say. Can't really gauge it on it. But you think like maybe there was a possibility they could crumble under the pressure, they could rush things and. But at the same time, you feel like sometimes the fans would like encourage, like almost push the ball in. Do you know what I mean? Like Rudden's chances last night on another night, he scores a hat trick. Do you know what I mean? It's just it was fluffing his lines from like six yards, and it's just it's one of the ones. I don't really think it was down to anything. It was just like he was rushing things. Like we we're that busy trying to get the equaliser, we just had no composure about ourselves. Who knows if the fans would have made a difference? Yeah, James, I'll bring you back in because I know you've spent. Uh, your evening off watching that game 24 hours later. So fair play to you for that. What what were your thoughts on it? Um, to be honest, I'm just really echoing what the guys have already said. I mean, it reminded me a lot of the Cove game um, when the first came back. It reminded me a lot of Forfer as well, where there were games against teams where you'd ex- you'd be expecting us to perform better than we did, but we've, we've started slowly and then we've managed to salvage a draw. I think as well, we were obviously touching on the cargo thing. Um, we know that yeah, he's like our most creative player. I think most fans would agree on that. But I think what well, goes under the radar is how creative he is. I mean, so I started digging into some stats about him earlier on today, and I don't know if you guys know about expected assists, but it, it largely works along the way expected goals does. So basically, it's a way of measuring um, the quality and quantity of chances that a player creates in like per ninety minutes. Cardo is far and away. The most creative player in the league, uh, in a sense, he's got averaging 0.49 assists per 90, uh, expected assists per 90. That's a massive number. To put it into perspective, the next guy is the guy East Fife, Ryan Wallace. He's got 0.21. That's less than half. You know, so this is this is how well Ricardo's been performing at the moment. Even look at to put it into a wee bit of context for you know what a top player in the league should be producing. Uh, David Turnbull up in Celtic in the Premiership. He's got an XA per 90 of 0.36. So again, that's about 75% of what Joe Cardo's doing at the moment. That's how well Joe Cardo, that's how creative Joe Cardo has been for us this season. And I think that we noticed it, obviously, when he came on uh, last night against East Five. We noticed it, particularly again, again, the game against Cove. It was really, like, he changed the game when he came on for us. And I, I think it can be a bit frustrating because he blows very hot and cold, Cardo. Like, he, he never plays the ball quickly. I don't think you know, he likes to get the ball sort of, you know, take a touch, you know, try and shimmy past the guy, then get his cross, and he never just hits the cross first time or anything like that. But clearly, whatever he is doing is working, and if, even if it means that, you know, he's get, he gets the ball a lot and then tries to beat his man, doesn't, and gives it away, then you get annoyed. You kind of need to let him do that, because his creative output is so good that you just, you can't ignore that. And it's, no team really could ignore that in any league, but especially not in our predicament where, you know, we need points in the board you need them immediately, because... I understand fans well getting frustrated about the, the tactics or that we've been playing, you know, the fact that you know it does appear a little bit listless at times and the fact that, you know, there are definitely spells where, you know, we're on the back foot for significant periods against teams that we'd like to think that we should be beating comfortably. But I think you know, again when you look into sort of the, some of the numbers behind it, oh I mean we're top of the league for XG, um, which means you know, we create more quality chances than anyone else in the league. Um, you know, but we're only fifth for goal scored. So the problem is that we're not taking them. I don't think you can blame McCall for that. You know, I don't think you, you you can't. As a manager, your job is to make sure the team creates as many good goals as possible and you know keeps as many out as possible. Right now, we're doing it better than anyone in terms of creating chances. The problem is we're not taking them, and you know, I don't blame the manager for that. I think that's down to the forwards. I think you know that's you can't legislate for that. Similarly, at the back, you know, we've got expected goals against of ten point five. Again, that's the lowest tally of anyone in the league. So again, on paper, you know, statistically, our defence is performing better than anyone else. 
like we've been alluding to, we're conceding silly goals, you know, that come out of nowhere again. I don't think you can blame McCall for that. You can't blame McCall for Senna deciding to punt the ball 40 yards in the air and then just give up on it and let, let the other guy score. You know, you can't legislate for you know, Nicky Clark shoving, shoving him into Kieran Wright. You know, you can't. Like, all these little incidents that, while obviously at the end of the day, as a football manager, your job is to make your own luck. I just feel that McCall has been unfortunate quite a lot, but certainly I, I can... I do share frustrations, and I watch also I watch a lot of party this, and even now I still don't really know what are like you know what McCall ball looks like or what it's meant to look like. I don't know when we're all singing all dance and it's all working. How is it precisely meant to be? I don't think there's any sort of clear tactical philosophy. But having said that, <laughs> I say like the underlying data of it all suggests that actually the things we're doing largely are right. It's just that you know, in given time, they will bear fruit it's just that right now it's just not working because that's just statistical variance that's just how these numbers work you know I think that really is quite interesting to take a deep dive into that because you do see so many just sweeping statements that say oh McCall out he doesn't know what he's doing and to get that sort of deep dive and the the performance when you take the sort of maybe the penalty box play out of it it's quite interesting and it sort of it brings us on to the next question I was going to ask David I'll come to you What's happened to Zach Rudden? Because when we signed him, we were all really excited. He scored goals for fun in a pretty terrible Falkirk team. And we thought, oh, he'll do similar and he might keep us up last season. It never really happened from his fitness. He struggled this season. But when he has been on the pitch, he has missed chances. What do you think's happening to Zach Rudden at the moment? It's a real mystery because... Again, as you say, we were all really excited when Rudden came. It felt like a real coup for us to have him. And you saw flashes of it when when he started. I remember he caused issues for Celtic in the the Scottish Cup game. And there was a couple of games where you've seen that before, obviously, his injuries and stuff like that, where he he threatened to do something. Then he had his injuries and was out for so long. And then he came back and... We've always just done the mantra of once he gets his first goal, he'll kick on and he'll score lots. And he got his first goal and and nothing's happened. And he missed quite a lot of chances. And you can excuse that when you're winning games and like winning comfortably. I I don't know if it it just seems like in a time time of crisis, so to speak, I don't know if he's the man to go to. I think he is. Much like Senna was when he was defending, you no, know, he is a confidence player in the sense that when the team is free flowing and the goals are going in, he can maybe kick on. And I know, obviously, we're talking about a very terrible Falkirk team that he was in, but I, I think, I don't know, I just think the, the sort of injuries that he's had coming back and then he's expecting to kind of kick on and score goals, and he's not, even the goal he scored was what it went in off him. It wasn't even like a silky goal or anything like that. And I think he's just struggling to to kind of hit that form and it's quite it's a mystery but I, I do feel it is a, a combination of I don't know if he is the player he was before all the injuries he's had with us and similarly in a team that is really down he's not he's not cutting it and like he's not, not he's not a crisis player so to speak I'm gonna I'm gonna move back to the defence and I'm gonna come round all of you and I'm gonna I'm quite conscious this time and we've got lots to batter through. But Darren's been in touch to ask what a preferred back four would be going forward. There was a 10-15 minute spell last night where the back four was Ricky Foster, Stephen Bell, Darren Brownlee, and Kieran McKenna, and I just thought, yikes! No real creative play on either flank, and I don't think Stephen Bell looked great, but. To keep it a, a minute per person and then name your preferred back four for the, the most of this season. Jamie, I'll come to you first on that one. For me, it would be Foster right back, McKenna at centre half alongside Darren Brownlee at centre half and James Penrice at left back. I think Penrice can do a shit at left mid, operates best at left back for me. Kieran McKenna, again, he did do pretty well last night at right back, but I think he should be playing his natural position centre half. Nothing, I, you know, I do like centre, but he needs to be dropped right now for his own good. Darren Brownlee is one of our best players, although I don't think he's been having his best games recently, but still think he's one of our best players, so he should be playing. And Ricky Foster, I think, should be ahead of Williamson right now, so that's what I'd want as a back line. James? <clears throat> I'd probably go Penrice, Brownlee, long, probably saying up, but not in the short term. I think I agree he could maybe have been dropped for a couple of games and presumably Bell or McKenna coming in. Um, 
<clears throat> and then right back, probably Ryan Williamson, to be honest. Um, I know that he's only played a couple of times, but obviously he had that injury. Um, I know he's not looked good when he has played, but I think, you know, once we get the cards of Williamson axis back in full swing, I mean, that was really good last season. So if they can get somewhere back to that and again if, again anything that frees up cardo to do what he does best is good for me and if williams allows him to do that that, that makes sense to me kieran um i would say i think it's going to be a bit yeah i kind of repeated here a broken record but um pen rice left back i think um again as, as jamie and as jamie said um he's, he's he, he can do a shift that left mid but he um, he's better at left back. Brownlee um, at centre back again. He's he's probably been one of our best players, if not our, our best player this season. And then McKenna, I think he's um, I think he's, uh, from from when he's played at centre half, I think, I think he's done well. And like I would either play Forster or Williamson. Um, but well, Williamson is dependent on if Cardo's playing because the partnership Cardo has with Williamson is brilliant but he hasn't he hasn't been playing well Williamson so that, I would I would, I would be bothered with either or um, and again Senna he, he does deserve like, for the long term he's, he should be in that defence but for the short term it does for his own sake for his own confidence he does deserve a bit of time on the bench because he's just not been he's just not been up to it he's not been cutting the mustard Please. well of course you'd love to like, chop and change depending on who you're playing. But if I was to pick one back four, just play your best left back. And that would be James Penrice. Like, stop playing guys out of position. I know Foster obviously does a good job at left back, but you've got Penrice sitting on the bench who most likely will be playing Premiership, if not next season or in the future, with the likes of Levy or a Hamilton Ackies or something. He's a good enough player and he's a good talent. And we've got him rotting on the bench for Foster. So I'd play Penrice at left back. Obviously, Brownlee at centre-half goes without saying put McKenna back into centre-half because McKenna's never put a foot wrong for us at centre-half. If you remember back to the start of the season, McKenna only lost his place down to injury. He was brilliant alongside Brownlee. He was like, he was strolling about these games. Like If you remember back to the Queen of the South Cup game, we were all raving about him. We actually was cutting about with a cigar that night. He was brilliant. So I'd have him back in at centre-half. I'd play Williamson as well. Like Going forward, we need to be attacking teams and feel he's our best outlet from defence in terms of going forward. I know his crossing can be a bit iffy sometimes, but he does produce numbers, he does get assists, and he does, as James said, free up Cardo, as they've got a good relationship, so that would be my back four. David? I, I, I'm, in, I'm in agreement. It's definitely Penrice at left-back. He is our best left-back, and um, yeah, absolutely, he should be there. As, as we've all said, he's probably going to end up leaving to go to Levy or another team like that. We have one for now. It, it, it's a bit of a shame to see sort of younger talent sort of wasting away at the expense of sort of older talent. I actually think Ricky Forster's done some all right stuff. He's, I think he's been okay. I would be having Williamson at right back as well, just purely because of that relationship with Cardo. Cardo should really be starting for, for pretty much every game. Again, I think it's a case of McCall's trying to rotate the squad and instead of putting his best squad out and trying to accumulate the points early, and I think it's going to come back to bite him. So I'd have Cardo out there with Williamson. And in the centre-back, I'd have Brownlee and McKenna. Senna, I think we, we talked last week about how he, about how, like, dropping him would, it would shatter his confidence and stuff like that. I think it's arguable now that just keeping him there is going to, is going to do even more damage. I think a, a, a couple of games out is it, it, necessary at this point to kind of, to make sure, because he, he's just, he's in a rut at the moment and he needs something to kind of break it. So I would definitely have McKenna and Brownlee at centre-back as well. I agree with you, David, about your centre-halves, and I think James said it as well. I would drop Senna for a couple of games, but I think ideally you're looking to build up his partnership with Brownlee as a as a pair in the centre-back. And I know all of you picked Penrice at left-back. I'd have him at left-back, and I'd have Williamson at right-back. I don't think we always play well when Penrice and Williamson play, but I think we rarely play well when we don't have at least one of them at full-back. And I think if you have those two attacking options at full-back, it also allows... Bannigan and Doherty to sit and we're not so defensive and I think I can't see McCall dropping Bannigan or Doherty so I think you do need a bit of attacking threat from the fullback positions if that's going to be the case. It was a sort of unintentional link that but I was going to eventually ask about Bannigan and Doherty a lot of fans are saying they can't play together. Reese, I know you've got a few thoughts on this, I'll come to you on this do you want to see Bannigan and Doherty play together or would you like to see that broken up in certain games? I do like them playing together. I think they're a great midfield partnership, but 
it just doesn't work on some occasions, and that that would be like the occasions it does work is Dundee United away when we're the underdogs going in that game and we ran over their midfield. But see, when you're at home, if offer or even last night at East Fife in games that you should be scoring goals, games that you should be winning, you can't play both of them because it just it sets us up to a defensive. And if you think back to when Doc was out, Bannigan was excelling. Bannigan was flying at the beginning of the restart. And I don't know if Doc coming in is like just, it kind of handles him a bit. But as, as, you, as you've just mentioned, McCall's not going to drop them. McCall loves Bannigan. <laughs> Doc is basically McCall's son, so I don't know how he's going to drop them. Personally, I'd probably play Bannigan and Gordon together. I know Gordon, Gordon can, can go through games, but he gets you goals and he's definitely more attacking than Doc. That's not me saying that I think Gordon's a better player than Doc because I really like Doc. I think Doc's a brilliant footballer and um, I think he will be massive for us. But just for this period, just now, you can't play them two together, especially when we're reading three points every week. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it's that they can't play together. I just think it it doesn't suit the situation we're in just now. I'm not going to ask you to name starting 11s for Saturday because we'll be here till midnight. But I think I'm going to I'm gonna come round to you and ask if you could guarantee one thing to happen for the, when the team sheet gets announced at quarter to two on Saturday, what would it be? And it can be a player missing out, it can be a player guaranteed to start, it can be a certain aspect of the formation to up front, something like that. So if you could guarantee one thing that you see in the team sheet on Saturday, what would it be? David, I'll start with you, because I don't think we've started with you yet. For me, it's going to be Brian Graham up front. I think he's done really, really well for us. Um, he's missed chances, but who hasn't missed chances for us? I, I think he's got to be starting. In, he's in a sort of a vein of form. He's, he's scoring goals, and I think we we need him. He will he'll be a, a pivotal uh, player for us, and I think he's he would be the first person in my team sheet. James, uh, is picking a front three is that three things or one thing? No, go for it. Go for it. All right, go will, Yeah, so I'll, I'll go for Graham for the exact same reasons. I mean. Yeah, he's just he's been brilliant recently, I think. He's clearly becoming one of our most important players. He's actually scoring goals, which none of our strikers can see, so he's got to start. Um, and I'd, yeah, I'd like to see like, Tiffany on the left. Cause again, again, he's been phenomenal since he came in. I think we can all agree that on that. I mean, he's just been providing precisely what, we, what we've been lacking, that you know, someone who can drive the ball directly and you know take on their man and actually be able to peel away for a defender. It's been really quite exciting. And then obviously on the other side, I want my boy Joe Card over there. So yeah, that's what I want to see, that front three going, going nuts. And then preferably, sorry, I know I'm absolutely stealing this here, but preferably a midfield three of Banzo, Doc and Gordon behind them. That's the, that's the dream. Kieran, what about you? I think we've pretty much talked to death about, the, about saying I've been left out. But um, I would say um, like Doherty you know, spends a bit of time but on the bench as well. Um, I think he's been kind of rushed into the starting eleven. Um, way too early and I think that's kind of hindered the, the partnership that Banzo and Doherty built um, at the start I would play Gordon with Bannigan instead with like Murray as the as the cam I think like Gordon is he, he does kind of blow at a hot and cold through games but he's I think he is a more of an attacking outlet than than Doherty I'm not saying Doherty's pure shite he's not he, he absolutely isn't but um, I think the kind of injuries kind of Slowed things down, and it's kind of hindered the midfield partnership. So that's why I would that's why I would go with. And I know Reese kind of touched on this um, earlier on, but that's why I would go with. Jamie, uh, I agree with a lot of what's been said so far. To be fair, and I uh, definitely agree with what Kieran said about Doc. Doc, in my opinion, I think he actually is our best player. I know Brown Brownley runs him very close, but I, I love watching Doc. He's so good at passing, really good at tackling. He's just a great midfielder, but. I don't think he's fully fit yet and I think it's kind of noticeable in his games. He's not been as effective as he was in the first half of the season. Personally, I'd like to see two, two up front. I do want to see Cardinal and Tiff start, but I do really want to see two up top as well. I'd like to see Graham up front with uh, McKeever. I'd like to see that. Uh, maybe get a few more goals because just need to go as attacking as we can against Peterhead, I think, because we were pretty poor against them last time. And this is just a random side note. Does, it, does anyone know what happened to Charlie Riley? Because he's just disappeared. He definitely had an injury when the restart came back. But I think that was meant to keep him out for a week or two. So he should have been back by now. Um, right, just but I'm not 100% certain. certain that. Yeah. He's been going to Salim's doctor, but it sounds of it. <laughs> I reckon have a moment of silence for him at the end of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> Reese, what about you? I agree with Jamie. I'd really like to see McIver, McIver uh, up top with Graham. 
because I, I actually really rate I rate McIver whenever I've seen him because it just looks like he's he's choking to bust the net. How many headers has he missed? Like no even missed. He's had them on target. The keeper's been pulling off great saves. I think if like it's almost we keep saying the same about Rudden, he'll score one and the goals will come, but you just need to wait for him to hit the back of the net and just hope that he can carry on with it. So I'd like to see him up two up top. And it's a bit mad because like we come on here every week and we moan. Like not not just on here, Fissel fans in general, we moan or oh, team shite, we're not good enough, which is all true. But at the same time we've got a selection headache because Connor Murray's been brilliant recently and not one of us have mentioned putting him in the team, so it's a tough one for Michael. Like we all moan about the selections, but I wouldn't like to be in the shoes either. Uh, moving on, just from the on the pitch, and um, before we move on to the sort of less football stuff, I'm just going to ask you: There's been some sort of wild, wild stuff online in Partick Thistle land lately, which is pretty much the norm. Um, what what's the wildest take that you've seen in the last week or so from Partick Thistle fans online? I'll open that up to anyone that's seen anything especially wild and repeatable. Um, I'll go first. Um, it was the I don't know if. Everybody's seen this, I don't know if Andy's are going to pick this, whatever. I'm going to do the tweet about Graham. Um, the, this guy, I'm, I'm not going to mention his name, but he, he claimed that he was one of the worst strikers that we've got. And that, that's, just, that, that's just not the, the case at all. He's got a record of what, seven goals in 14 games, I think that's the, I think that's the figure that he's kind of got at the moment. He, he did go through a sticky spell, I think it was after the Dumbarton, the, the Dumbarton game where he missed, he, he, he didn't score, he was in a rut and then obviously the break kind of happened. But he's picked up a bit of form, and he's like again, as I think a few a few have mentioned uh, so far, he's been he's easily one of your best players. You know what I mean? Um, he has to start every week. Um, aye, it was just a wild, wild take. I know. I think I found uh, the start last night that he's been had a goal involvement every 140 minutes while he's been playing for us, which for a striker playing for a not so confident team is really a really impressive record. And I think it's the old adage. If you're getting into the positions, then you've got nothing to worry about. It's when you don't get into the positions, you've got to worry. And week in, week out, he is getting into the positions. And yes, he has missed some sitters. He missed a couple of penalties. But I think you take him out of the team and it's really noticeable about how blunt our attack is. It's mad to see a Fissel player, other than Doolin, reaching 10 league goals. And obviously, that's last season and this season combined. But apart from Doolin, when was I think a Fissel striker got 10 league goals? You know what I mean? For the club. Not in a season, just in general. That's how poor it's been in our striker recruitment. And I know obviously Graham's no one that's going to carry us for years to come. Do you know what I mean? It's just a bit of a short-term option, but it's good to have that. It's good to have a striker who you can kind of rely on for goals. I'm pretty sure uh, I put a tweet after the Dundee United game talking about how Senna was devastated after the mistakes and all that sort of stuff and the call was comforted to them. I'm pretty sure someone suggested that that was a, a sign that we were too soft and that that's why we needed Roy Keane in, which is ridiculous yeah, on quite a lot of levels. absolutely did. It uh, absolutely <laughs> did. I saw that tweet. That, yeah, absolute, that absolutely happened. If Roy Keane's still available, I'd take my uh, heartbeat. Aye, of course you would, mate. Fucking hell. He's going to leave Sky Sports to uh, rock up at League One Scotland. Eh? <laughs> Not so cuddly anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would, I would, I would take Roy Keane at Farhill because it'd be some part. Like we'd be shite, it'd be really bad, but it'd be really funny at the same time. So you know, we might as well continue the banner years for another year. So Keane in. Absolutely, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Not to cajole uh, out of, out of form players, but just for pure part of purposes, 100%. I think the worst thing I have seen. See the whole chat about the family club and fans getting annoyed by that. I saw somebody say the family club has affected the players. As if Stuart Bannigan's like sitting there in the dressing room and thinking, oh, well, we've delivered thousands of meals today, so you know what, I just won't bother. Like As if that's an actual thing that happens. It baffles me why people who watch football can come to the conclusion that because we've named ourselves a family club during a global pandemic is why we're shite. I don't understand. Ian McCall's too busy yeah. down Tesco being held by sanitary <laughs> products to put in the toilet to make up tactics. Yes. So that, that's our problem. Always a certain profile of people that put that sort of nonsense up. You can you can guess the sort of profile of that person without ever seeing who it was. You know exactly, you have a picture in your head of who it is. It's, it's fucking idiotic. I've got another one. It's not really a take. It just, it just sums up how weird the, like, the fan base of Fissel fans is. It's like, 
it was like a Thursday morning. Like there wasn't even a game the night before or anything. It was like half seven in the morning, and somebody's went on that that Jags fans page on Facebook and just went, "Is Blair Lines and you, Mitch Austin?" Like just uncontested, man. Blair Lines and no played that game in about <laughs> six months. You know what I mean? And he's bringing Mitch Austin back into things. Just obsessively drawn Blair yeah, Lines to Mitch Austin comparisons. <laughs> See, when Blair Lyons puts nine past Clyde in the Glasgow Cup, then he can get to the ranks of Mitch Austin, but until then, he's going to have to work a bit harder. James, can I just ask you, while we've got you on, um, you obviously have been going to the games and chatting to Ian McCall and some of the players. Do you get the impression Ian McCall is a man under pressure? Any of the players feel the pressure, or is it really just business as usual, or as usual as it can be? Um, I mean, I think the there's there's clearly an acceptance, I think, from the players and the manager that you know results haven't been good enough. You know, when you when you speak to you know the manager after the games, you know he's often frustrated. You know he's often not in a good mood if things haven't gone their way. You know, but I think you know one of the things that I found really interesting. I spoke to him maybe about a month ago, like when we finally first started uh, coming back, and he was talking about a lot about how he feels the the job is just completely different. Now, for the managers, you know, the job that all managers are doing is just completely different to the one they signed up for, you know, in that, you know, they've had to deal with the, the lockdown and obviously, you know, Paul, I think, I believe, lives by himself. Just living alone during lockdown can be difficult. I mean, he described it as his words were really, really awful. Um, you know, so like, I think that because of everything else that's been going on around the world, I think we kind of, I think we can forget at the end of it, uh, you know, these are still human beings, you know, like, while we can still look at football with this sort of release, and this sort of helpful distraction from all the shit that's been going on in the last year, you know, for the people who are still involved in football, they've still got all the shit to deal with as well, and they've got the football, you know, so, like, it's not normal circumstances at the moment, you know, um, so I think that that side of it, I do think you can, um, judging, speaking to Ian McCall, you know, you do get the impression that, you know, he's he's been struggling with the extra... I think with all the extra responsibility that's been placed on his shoulders as a result of the pandemic. Um, you know, so I think that, yeah, the players, you know, they are frustrated. They do care, you know, <laughs> despite what the, the name of the football club might be. I can tell you that, yeah, when, you, when, they, when they win, they're happy. When they lose, they're upset. And you're speaking to someone like Brian Graham, like he's just got this really steely, like sort of sense of resolution about him, you know, and like the, the squad's literally with players like that who, like, even like little Scott Tiffany, who, you know, he's only been in the club a week or so. You know, I was speaking to him after the game at Tannadice and I was like, oh, you know, you know, you've scored again. You know, that's what three and three. And he's just, he's like, yeah, but I don't, I really don't care. And I know footballers are meant. That's what you're meant to say when you lose. But this the guy who's only been in the door a week, and he's talking about how he's absolutely devastated that you know Thistle have exited the cup in a game where, you know, let's face it, from his perspective, he's, you know, he's got another goal. He's continued his good form since out on loan, and like that's what he wants to do. That's what's best for his career. At Livingston or wherever else he might end up. So the fact that he's only just in the door and he's already talking about how much he cares and how much it matters. So yeah, so I do think that at the moment, you know, I think footballers and and managers in general do probably deserve a bit more slack than under normal circumstances just because of everything that's been going on anyway. But certainly, I think that there's still that you you certainly get that sense of I think that there's maybe a little sense of pressure and that results haven't gone their way, but. It's hard to gauge that when you're at stadiums and talking to people and at press conferences because there's no fans, there's no reaction, you know, so it's hard to gauge, you know, you, all you can do is really go off of the internet and like Twitter, which, as we all know, isn't exactly the best sounding board. It's not the best place to get a, get an accurate representation of how a fan base is feeling, you know, particularly the moments after a game. So I, I don't think anyone's like, you know, nervously looking over their shoulders and worried about getting the sack or anything like that, but I do think there is widespread acceptance throughout the club that while performances have been okay at times, you know, they've been pretty underwhelming at others, the most important thing is getting results and I think everyone accepts that so far results haven't been going far, uh, haven't been good enough. Like that's the impression that I've been getting from speaking to people and everyone's just determined to really turn it around, you know, and I know that's kind of just footballer speak and maybe it's a bit of that, but for what it's worth, I believe them. Maybe I'm just a sap. No, not at all. I think it's really good to get that sort of insight because I think all the fans for the last year, they've just been going off like written stuff or wee 30-second clips and it's hard to get the sense of how somebody's feeling. It's just it's just words or a wee clip and to, to hear that, obviously you know like 
deep down they do care, but sometimes you, when you're just reading it, you think, oh, it's just the same old stuff sort of trotted in week out, week out, week in, week out, regardless of result. But no, it is really good to get that insight. So so thanks for that. Um, Kieran, I'm going to come to you. It's it's Autism Awareness Week this week. Um, you posted a really impressive thread on Twitter about your own situation, um, about suffering from Asperger's, and you also appeared on Radio Clyde talking about it as well. Can I just ask you what Partick Thistle and what football means to you and how it affects you and how maybe it helps you when you deal with, with Asperger's? I mean, both, uh, Thistle, I think, both hinders and um, does, uh, does well for, uh, for the autism that the condition. More so much earlier, um, years of sport and Thistle, I was really bad in like, anxiety-wise and I, th- th- there was occasions where I had to leave games early because I had a meltdown because of the noise and... Um, so so there was that like I'm talking like early I'm talking like half time kind of stuff I had to leave and uh, to be fair I, I but I avoided my mates witnessing absolute pumpings I think that was the most times that that, that they kind of thingy so that's kind of the bad stuff of like having to leave early and having a meltdown in, in front of people but like I, I never like, I never get sneered at or anything like that so it was good in that way I was never like bullied or anything like that for it. But it's still, it's still kind of shite when you, when you date in front of public. But um, the good things is, like, it, ju- it just gives me something to look forward to. Like, foot- like football in general, you know what I mean? It, it's not to dissimilar to, like, people that don't have it. It, it gives you a routine, you know what I mean? Going, going to the Fissile games and, and, like, coming on here and that as well. You know, talking about it online and all that, engaging with people, you know what I mean? Football, it does, it's, it's a gateway to socialising with people, meeting people that you would never normally meet, you know what I mean? It's good, but I've always been, I've always, I've always been like a lover of football, like, even when I was a kid before I uh, started supporting Thistle. But like, I think Thistle's kind of it's put that it's 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 made that more and more like interesting and bad. But you know, what I mean, good and bad. But um, but absolutely, um, just going to the games, meeting people. It's a small family, it's a small community. You know what I mean? Thistle, because I, I, like, I was taking, I was, I was taking to like Celtic games because my dad's a Celtic fan, all that kind of stuff. So I was, I was kind of showing that like. Uh, way before I supported Fissel and then but uh, nothing really clicked you know what I mean I went to the Champions League nights at Parkhead when I was like four or five and then I was saying I've been taking I, I've even tried to my, my, my local team's Dumbarton and I, I even tried to go to a couple of Dumbarton games and that, that, that didn't even really click and then I've been yeah, I think I've been to Ibrox once as well because my friends are a Rangers fan uh, so I've been I, I went there once Aye, and then my mate just asked me to go to a Fistle game one day in school, and I was like, aye, sure, whatever. And then ever since then, it, it's been a part of my life for, like, seven-odd years, seven, nearly eight, I think it's eight years now. Aye, it just gives you a sense of routine, a sense of something to look forward to, whether you're not, whether you go to the games or not, like, whether you go to the games every every week or, like, I, I personally don't. I, I go to the home games, I'm a season holder, I can, like, go to the away games that I can. But regardless, it, it still gives you something to look forward to, something to talk about, you know what I mean? And yeah, that's it's good. You know, what I mean, there, there obviously is downsides to it, but that's it. You just kind of need to take it in your take it in your stride. Uh, thanks for that, Kieran. Uh, we'll move on to our partridge thistle section this week. Obviously, Kieran is on this week. Him and myself are the the resident Greg's enthusiasts on the pod. So I'm going to ask you if you could introduce a new product to the Greg shelves. What would it be? David, I'll uh, come to you first. Kieran, I'll, I'll let you have a think about it because I know this will mean a lot to you. So I'll come to you last, Kieran, but because uh, obviously this is an issue very close to your heart. David, what what would you introduce to the group? To be honest, I'm going to be very linear with this. Uh, they do like rolls and sausage and rolls and bacon and stuff like that. I love a roll and totty scone, and they don't do them. So I would I would get a roll and totty scone in the breakfast sort of selection. I think they do good because they sell totty scones and they sell rolls, but they don't they don't do them. So I'd have a roll and totty scone, which I, I know is boring, but I, I really like roast and totty scone. That's a fair shout. Um, Jamie? Uh, I'm a big white chocolate lover, and I do like a chocolate donut from Greg's, but they don't do a white chocolate donut, so I'll mix it up a bit and get them to start doing white chocolate donuts. That's another good shout I'm in on that one. James? Um, <clears throat> I'll go for the pizza toasty. It's an invention they've made. Where it's, you know, it's just bread, pizza sauce and cheese, and you stick in a toasty maker, but pretty damn good so yeah I'm going to go for the pizza toasty these are, these are strong suggestions Reese. I'm struggling to think of a, a new creation but I'd just love to see more Mexican chicken baguettes you know what I mean every time you go there so and you're always having to pick something else so just make one of them for us 
if I, if I take request, can I get more icing than the yum yums? Because the icing has really went down over the years. They used to be fucking great, and now they just they have like drizzle a wee bit on, and it's just pish. I want I want loads of icing on my yum yums again. So if you are listening, the CEO of Greg's, that that is my request along with Rose and Toys Con. My my soon to be father-in-law as a as a manager at Greg's. He works at. Uh, a Greg's factory, which was great. I can't, I can't, I don't know if I can say this. I'll say it and then David, I'll message you if I need to edit this out. But uh, during the first lockdown, um, obviously they had a ton of food that they couldn't sell because their shops were shut. So I got a literal freezer full of Greg's products, which was great. But um, I'll pass on your yum yum concerns, David, to him. I think for me, I would like to see the return of the cheese, ham and bacon lattice that was a limited edition thing three or four years ago. And it's never returned, but I'd like to see that back maybe with some added chorizo. So, Kieran, you're you're the main man here, you're the main Greg's man. What are you bringing to the shelves? Uh, So I would like to, I mean, it's not really a new invention. It was was an item on the menu, um, trying to get rid of it. Um, I, I would like to bring back macaroni pies. Like I, I don't know how to get rid of them. Uh, I, I just, I, I just, I'm a big lover of macaroni pies, and um, I, always, I always say to my mate, and I'm like, go to Greg's and that, and whatever, blah blah blah. And he's like, I've, he's like, I've, I've, I've boycotted them ever since I stopped macaroni pies, and it, it's a fair shout. It's a fair boycott shout, you know what I mean? So I and like, roll, like, offer rolls and pie and that as well. It's and that like, make make a haggis pie. I, I've said about three things, but make haggis pies. So stop, stop the whole like. Uh, it's just a, like a limited edition. Get them in. Get them in for a permanent permanent deal. There's a there's a Bridie at Breakin and it's got like um, sage and onion stuffing and stuff like that in it, and and like loads of like, stuff. It's like a it's like a full dinner and a pie or in a Bridie, sorry. Um, and I think that would probably be very good. Um, so I'm I'm personally I think Matt, you should be hoping that Breakin don't get relegated just so you can try it because um, it's, it's fucking great. No, I'll get, I'll get it, John, uh, Kirsty's dad, to listen to this and, and feed all our suggestions back, because I think the pie in a row shout, that's a, that's a great shout, Kieran. Um, just lastly, before we go, again, I'll open this up to anyone. Has anyone got a solution to the big problem on Sunday night of uh, the final round of the Masters clashing with Line of Duty? I, I think you're missing out the big the big event on Sunday, which is a showcase of the Immortals WrestleMania, Matthew. Like it's the the, the big one. Um, but aye, line of duty clearly. No, you're outnumbered this week, David. We've not got Mark on to back you up. I've already told Kirsty that we'll be watching uh, line of duty on a slight delay. The live sport takes priority, but I've heard by all, by all accounts this uh, Sunday's episode of line of duty is one not to be missed. So I think I'll have to. I'd like to pause at a solution, right? You've got you've got Sky, don't you? Sky Plus. Yeah. Sky Plus the Masters. If it's quite shite by about quarter to nine, bail out, watch Line of Duty, and then go back on and just start from where you are. Yeah, I put I put my bets on today. I'm gonna just hope that one of them's five shots clear and well in control, and I can trust them and flick over. But there we go. Well, we'll leave it there. Does anyone have Does anyone have anything else they want to add about? Anything, Partick Thistle or otherwise. Justice cool. for Nelson. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> right. As always, thanks for joining us on Draw, Lose or Draw. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Draw, Lose or Draw and listen to us on all good podcasts and apps. As always, stay safe and wear a mask. <laughs> <laughs>